Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you to Escape Space Games for sponsoring this season of Average Folks. Enjoy the show. Helga became wise woman for Valis 19 years ago. I think that we should start here. It is a stormy night. Lightning pierces golden, quartz-like lines of light across the sky, interjecting just beyond the windows of Lyoth Hall. Mikhail Lyoth, age nine, half his full potential height, sits in the family room on the second floor, alone doodling crayons on construction paper. He hums to himself now as he draws a big, big house. <laughs> he bristles only a little as the thunder hits and echoes through the vast open space of the hall. It feels larger. Physically, yes, because everyone we know and love is smaller now, but the vibes are different. Regal. In this house that Mikhail draws, there is a family. A father with a crown. Ceremonial. His father hasn't worn it in years. A mother holding a baby and two sons. The taller also wearing a crown. No, not wearing it. It floats threateningly above his head. The hidden motifs of a soon-to-be well-made artist, for sure. He finishes coloring this other crown in before taking in the work thus far. Something feels off, he thinks. Something feels gross and not right. Ah, there it is. Dune Lyoth, freshly four, rages into the room and hails chaos down as he kicks Mikhail's crayons across the room. He crumples the drawing under his careless bare feet. Hey! Dune! Dune kicks them more and more. He cracks one under his heel. Ow! You okay? Yeah. Okay. Run for your life! <laughs> Overbrimmed with joy, Dune and Mikhail chase each other down the second floor stairwell and into the wide open entrance hall. 
passing by the large dining room's open doors. Boys! Voices! Sorry, Mom. Luciana, holding a newborn baby Eller, cradles him as she follows her partner in pacing around the dining room table, overhead light flickering under the imbar rain. Across from her stands Logan Lyeth, not a gray hair on his head, and he doesn't seem to notice his sons race in and then out to another part of the house. I just don't see what's wrong with expediting the tour schedule. I would only be gone for six months. It would be fine if we didn't have another child coming here in three. We could have said no. Yeah, if I'm a monster, I know- bringing it up like this. I told you, she can't take care of her. Her? What? When uh, did she tell you the gender? Fuck. Oh. We talked this morning. Did you? I, yes, we just briefly- And just about the pregnancy. And what are you supposed to do when she calls? I'm sorry about that, Lucy. I really am. But I was busy and I couldn't find you. We're adopting your ex's fucking child and you didn't think this would be information I'm interested in hearing? is closing the distance between him and his younger brother. The epic chase brings them to the open chamber in the center of their big, big house and... There is a knock on the main doors of Lyoth Hall. Dune and Mikhail screech to a halt outside of this cacophony. Dune looks at Mikhail. Mikhail looks at Dune. And uncertainly, Mikhail opens the door. A woman stands before them. Not old, not young, but that nebulous, middle-aged in between. Personified by short, cropped gray hair hidden largely by a bandana tied neatly at the top. Cascading earrings and a delicate nose. Mascara slightly rubbed off under the eyes. Inquisitive eyes, radiantly brown, look down on these boys now. She smiles. Hello. Hi. Hi. And who are you? Uh... Mikhail knows better than to talk to strangers. Dune, however... I'm Dune, and that's my brother, and we live here. Oh, well, hello, Dune. And what is your name? Mikhail's eyes are wide with fear. Uh... Come on, Mikey! His name is Mikhail. Oh, Dune, let's not speak for others when they are still considering whether or not they would like to be heard. Dune's eyes are wide with fear. Okay. Is Chieftain Lyoth here? Uh, oh, our dad? I'll get him. I'll get him. Dune scampers through the echoing ground-level chamber and into the dining room. He finds his parents towering above him with a deeper twinge between both of their eyebrows now. She also thought of a name. What is it? Mom! Know that I, I had no say. Dad, why are you hesitating? I'm not hesitating. I'm just explaining before Mom, I... what is the name? It's Ellie. Dad. Oh. Fuck, no. Well, you can't just shoot it down for her. I can Mom. because we have an Eller, Lo. It's... I think it's different oh, en- enough. Great. Hey, folks are going to think they're twins. Maybe that's not a bad thing. For you, maybe? Dad. What, Dune? Dune, now on the verge of tears, points to the woman in the dining room's doorway. Helga has been watching. She's holding Mikhail's arm he had offered so shiverously, and Mikhail's eyes bounce between his parents, nervous. Logan disengages, recovers. He youthfully claps his hands together and casts a shy wave. Oh, uh, hi. Hello. You must be our wise woman. Hilda? Helga. Gah. Helga. Got it. 
Welcome to Lyoth Hall. We hope you made it safely. Circle work out okay? Yes, yes. It took a while for the taxi you ordered to arrive, but I got here eventually. Yes, we really do need to invest in an assistant. And when we acquire the funds, it will be a strong possibility. How about a tour? Oh, yes, of course. Mikey, can you hold Eller? Yeah. She passes off the baby. Luciana and Logan whisk Helga away, back into the main hall. Mikhail bristles under the physical and emotional weight of holding a tiny folk, but then smiles at his baby brother. And how are you today? Oh yeah, me too. And Dune does as Dune does. He chooses light chaos and bonks Eller's nose with his index finger. Duna! We leave them for the tour. Evening light mists the entryway through towering windows. The ground is opaque tile with a deep blue carpet striping down the middle. In the center is a large set of double doors and another to their immediate left. Those doors over there are the public library. Down that right hallway is the dining room and kitchen where we just were. That one's the easiest to remember. It's the big circle room. Offices are down that left hallway. Mine is the closest one. Yours is the following one on the opposite side. Well, it will be. Right now, it is a closet. A spacious closet, however, and undergoing renovations currently. It will be ready for you by the end of the week. That's a generous timeline. It is very generous of us, yes. Where will I be staying? Uh, Upstairs. They climb the stairs up and up another floor. It is majorly silent as the trio makes it to the last door at the end of the hall. The lock's a little tricky, but you'll figure it out. Luciana unlocks the door and hands off the key to Helga. Inside lies a large room, but a small living space. This will do. The first triad meeting is tomorrow morning at 6.30. Yes, I read the welcome paperwork. I'll see you then. Oh, you turning in? Yes. Good night, Logan. Luciana, a pleasure to meet you. A soft smile on her lips, a slight disconnect in her eyes. Helga enters her room and shuts the door. I like her. Eh. Logan and Luciana walk away, pondering down the hall. Helga sets down her things. It is modest and dusty here. A kitchenette is at her immediate right, a couch and TV just beyond. A bathroom is to the left, and next to it is another door. Helga guesses her bedroom. The walls are pale yellow, and there is... Hmm. An utter lack of decoration. Helga sits at the desk, noting how little support the chair serves for her lower back, and takes up her apothecary bag. Out of it, she procures some sewing supplies. Then, out of her larger suitcase, a quilt in progress. It is of Lyoth Hall... No, of the rocky cliff face behind it. The one she is looking at now for the first time out of her drab, scenic window. She looks out this, notes the quilt. (laughs) Them and their jokes. So I'm in the right place then? A thought, an image, passes by Helga's eyes. No, it's a color. Something akin to nothing that Helga has ever laid eyes on. Interesting. What do we have here? Helga shuffles through her fabric samples. 
finding something close enough to the right shade of blue. And she gets back to work. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the Magic Garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in cell block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it. Since then, time has passed. How to proceed this new beginning? I'd love to have something to say to you. Something about how living in Valis is different now. How it's been one year and folks change in that amount of time. But one thing at a time. So I'll begin with this. Profit Day Week has just ended. One year and one week later than where we had begun. Valis and many other territories on this plane recognize two seasons. The first being Solus, all sunshine and blue skies, bright color palettes and dazzling warmth. The second is Imbar, and Imbar means rain. This rain comes in a spectrum of intensity, motif, beauty, and torrential attitude. This rain is a light smattering now on the roof of the complex that holds the 211th Annual Interterritorial Profit Convention, ITPC for short. It pick. It pick. I. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They don't know either. This convention, taking place in Meropame this year, is large and flooded with folks and booths and information and. Most importantly, most on brand, profits. Profits of all kinds, from all sorts of territories. And Terra, prophetess of Valis, her name tag reads, sits at her own little booth in the residential profit wing, watching folks wander by. She's not busy or crowded largely because Valis hasn't had a representative prophet for so long that many folks have neglected to even consider they would change things up. Terra is peaceful, quiet, and alone. 
She's learned to find an ease to this since the last time we were together. Hey, Tara. Hey. Did you miss me? Actually, yeah. <laughs> what you doing right now? Uh, hypothetically, I am sitting at an informational booth about what it's like to be a residential prophet in Vallis. In actuality, I am sitting alone, and I am... Bored. Incredibly. Mm. Tell us about the past year for you. The whole year? Yeah. JT, uh, it's been fine. I mean, good. Um, I've been working. I still do profit stuff. I have made an itemized list of my services. And no, that hasn't helped folks narrow down the tasks and questions they come to me with. I've started doing these, like, field days where I station myself in a lower income part of the territory. And that's been good. And what about the things that aren't work? Um, Mikhail and I have been working on making, like, these life-size sculptures of the lore, which is cool. And I know that's technically work, but he makes it fun. So. Oh, I live with Rourke and Willow. It's the best. Rourke cooks and Willow cleans, so I just kind of get to exist, and it's nice. Um, Logan and I are getting along. He's really been helpful. He's actually been doing a lot and seems tired, you know? But I still see the whole family pretty frequently, actually. They invite me over for dinner a lot. They're doing a lot better as a whole and as individuals, and that's really nice to see, mostly. Eller's still a little off, but I can't put my fingy on why. Wait, did you just say fingy? Yeah, I like calling fingers fingies. It's silly. Haha, <laughs> yeah, goober. And what about, you know, our vibrantly colored mystery beings? The lore. Yep. The lore are around. They started showing themselves more. They're not like a part of the community now or anything. Word's getting out just a little bit, though. Some folks who have the clearance to know about them, mainly the guardianship, the lieths, some other random folks they've happened upon. I know that some are attempting to like incorporate the lore into our lives, and no one's really gotten hurt yet. But also no one really sees them the same way, so it's hard to draw a consensus. And folks are assigning meaning to stuff I don't think they ought to be, but not my circus, not my monkeys. Except it is my circus and my adjacent monkeys. But everyone makes their own decisions and nothing bad has happened yet, which is fine. Hmm. And how are you? Me? I'm fine. And how is your soul? The part of you that is intangible, that no one can touch or see. Someone's coming. Huh, so they are. Across the walking lane and a little to the left, a different section sits. The residential trainees, the hopefuls, the professions of their classes and profits in need of a place to profit for. One of these shuffles over. Hi, I've been waiting for a free second to come and check out some active RPs. Well, you found a good one. What territory do you prophesy for? Vallis. Where? Vallis. Vallis? Vallis. Oh. So how's the residential life? Is it just the best? Uh, it's good work. You're an integral part of the community, and they really rely on you, so it's a lot of work. Is it fun? Folks are fun sometimes, so yes, it totally is. Sometimes. What do you do? Anything that falls between the cracks of a spiritual or legal issue. Folks come to me for advisory, for interpretation of events or dreams, or for help with certain tasks. 
textbook definition. <laughs> it always seemed so broad to me. Well, we do rely on the gray area existing, so you really get to set certain boundaries for yourself. But what about regulation? Yeah, if you want regulation, maybe prophesying isn't your shtick. Whoa. Tara, for a moment, wonders if she's been too blunt. Is that like an example of what you'd say to someone? Cool. This training prophet glances back to their booth, where a friend waves a frantic hand. An older folk with a similar uniform has returned. Gotta go. Thanks for talking, prophetess of Valium. If only. She muses as they scamper away. Behind them, we see our favorite prophet's personal assistant approach, our PPA for short. Dylan has returned from his break. He's got his pale orange rain cloak draped over his shoulder, and he balances an excessive bag of goodies in his arms. He shuffles hurriedly towards Tara, eyes still flitting across all of the merch he's passing by. How is Dylan? Dylan's year has been groundbreakingly chill. Yes, work still has swallowed a majority of his time in Seoul, but something is different this time. Dylan has the sensation of being an equal. And thus, he has room for activities. Putting to use two good terms, boundaries, and disconnecting, Dylan has discovered a flurry of free time on his hands. He's on a bowling team now. He visits his mom a little more. And he does spend time with friends. Friends like Willow. Friends like Joan. Like Agnes. And like Tara when she's not working. And Ellie. And some other people that you haven't met. And... Am I forgetting anyone? I suppose not. Dylan approaches Tara's table. He pops his merch down. An eyebrow is raised. I think, is this, can I submit complaints here? Oh, yeah, that's what this is. What would you like to complain about? Oh, good, it's just that our prophetess- What territory? Oh, Valis. Valis? Valis. Okay. It's just, she's like, too cool. That's pretty bad. Is there anything you can do to make her stop? Prophetess too cool. Yeah, we can kill her, actually. Just murder? Yes. How much does it cost? Nothing. Oh, so you just want to do this? You're hesitating? When are you available? I could pencil you in for next week. What day? Um, Wednesday. Ah, you see, no, that doesn't work into Tara's schedule. That's a field day. Wow, you know her so well. That is my job. Well, then there's nothing we can really do. I guess I can just try to, like, talk to her about it. Ugh, sounds hard. Communication often is. Probably not worth it. Prob not. Well, bye. Bye. Dylan walks away in a circle and loops back, suddenly business casual. Oh, hey, Tara. Two more minutes until you break. Great. Thank you, Dylan. Still dead over here? Oh, residential profits tend to be of lesser interest. So am I surprised? No. Am I offended? Always. Just a little. But you're literally the backbone of Valis. Figuratively the backbone of Valis, yes. Agnes erupts from the crowd in the center now. She too has procured some goodies between the chieftain section and here. Agnes is trying. She's trying so hard to seem as though she is not. Having a bit of a rough end to last season, 
She's been leaning into this principle of new beginnings. The official attendant of Lyoth Hall to both Logan and Luciana, her plate is deliciously filled with tasks she is capable of. I'm competent as fuck! <laughs> right! Other events, happenings. She's been volunteering with Ellie all around Vallis, meeting new folks and honing new skills. She is friends with Tara, yes, but there is an arm's length there simply because Agnes knows she could never go to her friend's house where an unpleasant and freshly cut past still resides. Uh, Rourke, if that's not clear. Agnes is insecure about how the whole Rourke thing went down. Still? <sighs> what? You didn't even like him that much. That's not the point. Uh, do you still feel like you're a bad foe? You know, nobody likes you when you focus on aspects about them that they're working on. <gasps> That's so fair. Can I talk about the fit? Oh yeah. Agnes looks great. She wears a long skirt made by none other than Dune Lyoth. A casual tucked-in button-down with sandals that definitely don't adhere to the dreariness of the rainy weather. She sits up on the table, side-sweeping the pot of red grass Tara had brought as a prop and a conversational piece. Do I submit complaints here? Hey, Agnes. Dill already did the thing. Ah! I'm so sorry. It was my joke. I know you are gonna. I'm over it. How are things? Slow. Mm, take it while you can. Whenever you get too bored, you can just think about how full your inquiry box will be. Come to think of it, I'm having the best time. How's Logan looking? Oh, you'll have to ask him. Dylan and I have been dicking around the stalls. I got a neat pen. Behold. Agnes beholds a pen shaped like a prophet's staff. She presses a button on the side and the stone inside lights up. Now I have prophetic powers. That's actually how I got mine. No. Yeah, that's why we all have a staff. No, it's not. Well, why else would we have a magic staff? Nuh-uh. Yeah. For real? No. (sighs) Okay, time for me to take over. You sure you can handle the heat, Dylan? The kiosk fiasco? Kiosk fiasco. What a wonderful thing to say simply to say one has said it. Oh, yes ma'am. I should get back to Logan. I'll walk with you. I want to check in with him. (gasps) Friendship? They wave farewell to Dylan, passing by the residential prophet trainee's table where her first visitor sits now. They sheepishly wave as Tara glides by. Remember when you were there? Aw, how far we've come. Yeah. Do you? Residential profit training. Is that what it was called? Yep. Not something else. Not something else profit training. Uh, oh look, Mayor Obame's section. Oh look. Tara is looking now towards a much neater setup, with pictures of her ocean home territory, samples of fruits and arts representing the land. At the head of this table sits a gentlefolk with a deep, blue hat atop his stark gray hair speckled with white. This same color scheme sinks into his beard so long that it tickles the tabletop. His hands are folded, and he gazes ever so kindly into one of his visitor's eyes. His table is bustling. Tara has to remind herself that he's been established for years. He's built up a rep. This could still one day be her. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I mean... Obviously, one is going to have setbacks at any point during a 40-plus-year residency, but I've just been bestowed such an honor. He raises his eyes for a moment from this folk, catching Tara's hair color first, that familiar staff second, and her face third. A twinkle of recognition dawns. 
He makes a soft gesture to the folk in front of him, and Terra waves. Ah, good to see you, Terabon. Hi, Gildo. Now, hold on. You're walking rather fast. Come, catch up with your old friend. <laughs> Out of sheer respect, Terra slows her trot. Agnes peels away and respectfully stands out of earshot and in the middle of walking traffic. Oh, just want to make sure I see it all. I won't keep you. I got to take a stroll myself. It's worth it. Seeing so many different perspectives. Fascinating. Yeah. And he looks at her. Gil has always exuded an alien sort of kindness from his eyes. An impossible amount, even. I've heard you're serving your community tremendously well. Oh, thanks. It's such a learning curve, right? And I've heard nothing's changed on the home front, so great job, as always. How's the residential life treating you? Honestly, a lot of it is folks asking for advice that I don't feel qualified to give. Hmm, yes. They do seem to be quite the lost bunch, eh? Hold them lightly. They are learning, as are we all. I'll keep that in mind. Your mother misses you. You should visit. I will. A pause. A couple cuts between Gil and Tara in this small silence and raises a question about dreams. Uh, well, I'm gonna- Yes, yes, go and be ever guided. Tara bows her head, respectfully and rejoins Agnes in the center. I've been serving the community tremendously. Tremendously. <laughs> that was my RP from Maropame. Oh, cool. Gildo? Yes, and I know. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been called the prophetess of Phallus all day, so... Ah, that's hard. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Gil has been our prophet for a while. He's super sweet. A pretty light-handed prophet. He very much holds a love-and-peace approach to things. Wow. You must really look up to him if you followed in his footsteps. Um, sure, Tara thinks. So this is just the residential profit section, right? And there are two others? Oh, yes, Agnes. Let us ride this wave of her lack of knowledge so we, too, may learn something. Yep. So there are RPs, which is me. Residential prophets. They take residence in a territory and serve as that land's prophet and spiritual advisor. And this includes, like, wise women and men, right? Yep. But those typically don't come to these conventions. Hence why Helga never went. Next are APs, administrative prophets, who have a support role and are far more common than you think. They are backbones to companies, people in power, do a lot of things to make life run more smoothly in places that matter to them. (laughs) Sounds like what Dylan and I do basically is. Except they get paid more. Huh. Ah, and here we have the third type, whose domain at this expo we wander into now. This is where the crowds are. And then, well, there is that. Folks, as folks are, are drawn to presentation. And historically, nothing performs quite so well as the traveling prophets section. Oh, colors everywhere. Each and every traveling prophet is easily spotted in this mass due to the characteristic overdressing. They don't have tables, no. 
They simply wander to really paint you a picture of what it is they do exactly. Why is everyone obsessed with them? I mean, even Amforn was a residential, right? Not really. They practiced aspects of all three prophetic branches. There just wasn't a name or place for them yet. Besides, I get it. Traveling prophets are kind of a hit right now. What's the appeal? Oh, travel, freedom, aiding different communities. Change is always on the horizon. They look cool. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the center of this conglomeration is one singular folk, heavily robed in bright colors despite us being thick into the season of Imbar. This folk, young enough to the eye, maintains long braided gray hair. They wear a sweeping dusky orange sleeveless tunic, thick and worn boots, several bracelets and a few rings, and a grin. It's not exactly a smile, no, but described as a toothless grin as they speak to the crowd. Have you heard of my principle of the unformed clay? It is us, or rather it was. An old friend once showed this to me. Unformed clay comes in these large slabs. It's a basic form, a representation of simplicity. Us, before the world, engulfs us within it. The perfection of the lack of complication and mess and, perhaps, meaning. But life, it molds us into forms. Our experiences sculpt us into beautiful carvings, yes, but something is taken away to create these curves and edges. The shavings build up around us. The surrounding world becomes messy as we develop and grow. When we take the time to just sit, that is what we are attempting to regain. When you converse, as you say, with them, whatever that them is, I remain impartial and am entirely unconvinced in our modern definition. I find it incredibly stifling, uh, but tangent, sorry. I wonder who will be TP'd next. Better not be us. And thus... When you converse with the silence, you are trying to return to that simple and natural and plain state. To return to a time when your mind not only didn't think about dinner or gossip or drama or sex or silly books, but to a time before your mind existed. To embrace nothingness and thus be later overwhelmed by the everythingness you are surrounded by. The red in the grass. Beautiful. The height of these trees? Ugh! The fact that these words in my mouth have some constructed meaning? Incredible. And enough. So importantly, fully, wondrously enough. And our existence, as puzzling and small as it may be, enough. Thus? Ugh. I'm aghast. Lo and behold, the fox I give. Oh, where to? They have left this place. <laughs> this is fun for you. Apparently, these words are not enough for all of us. Agnes and Terra realize that this prophet is looking at them. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Laughter is fodder for the soul. Ooh, fodder. Speaking of... Terra and Agnes exchange a look mixed with amusement, embarrassment, and they move on. They walk through a few smaller crowds gathered around similar speech-driven folks and at last make it through the fray and into the chieftain section. Not at all the focus of this place, but still always somehow an epicenter. They walk past some official-looking folks of all shapes, sizes, kinds. 
as the territories are alphabetized, they find themselves walking a while. In passing, Terra nods to Chiefess Juno of Mare And further down, Logan Lyeth sits. His table is bustling with business-clad folks of all sorts, and a couple of nervous-looking young adults with literal notepads to write on. So, the rumors are correct? You have glow monsters. What? No, no. For the last time, we do not have a confirmed- But folks can see them. No, so not everyone can see them. So you admit it. Ugh. Not really. It's- Logan and Tara's eyes greet each other. His crinkle with friendly familiarity and fatigue. His hair is grayer now, dwindling in patches. He keeps his beard well trimmed to hide this fact. Bags under his eyes and a heftier slouch to his shoulders. Tension in his neck. Excuse me, it is time for my break. Agnes swoops in and offers an arm to hoist Logan up. It takes a moment, and he pauses halfway up, a cringe. Slight. A recovery? Speedy. He bows his head as he walks towards Terra, and a flurry of questions now hits Agnes. Walk with me. Logan's eyes are far off, out the windows. What are you looking at, Logan? It's just cloudy here. Not raining. Hmm. It's nice, isn't it? Yes. Tara? Hmm? Can we sit outside? Yes. Tara kindly, wordlessly, offers her arm now. And he takes it. And they weed through the crowds. A slow dance, peaceful and... Logan's ear has been this, being treated gently. He hates it. He needs it. He doesn't have the means to deny it. Well, what were you expecting, all sunshine and roses? Dear listener, we can't have that. It's in bar. Hello, Scented Candles. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Elise Bradford as the narrator. Silas McGillwraith as Mikhail. Danny Walker as Dune. Hannah Strawn as Luciana. Cole Neeland as Logan. Tracy Hugo as Helga, Olivia Cutterford as Tara, Shannon Keane as Prophet in Training, Caleb Kirkevold as Dylan, Lydia Christ as Agnes, Rory Phillips as Gildo, Nate Ayers as Sage, Hope Bellinger as Folk. To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at AverageFolksOfficial or visit us at our website, average-folks.com.